As we come into relationship with Christ, we begin to grow in fullness. We begin to grow in relationship with others. And the mission of Jesus is accomplished, not um, by ourselves, but together and and, uh, through the power of God in that relationship. And so we're going to continue uh, this last foundation crack, this this, uh, mission of Jesus today. And um, we're going to begin in in Genesis chapter 1. And I've, I've done this a lot lately, and I think it's important. A lot of times uh, people today will say, well, Genesis maybe, uh, especially the creation account, is um, it was symbolic or metaphorical or whatever it may be. But, but I believe that's a very dangerous position to hold. And the reason I believe that is that if the creation story is an, an account is not um, considered factual. One thing that happens is um, the rest of Scripture and the gospel itself just kind of dangles out in space. What we need to see is that our faith doesn't rest on some new philosophy that someone came up with in some moment in time. Uh, the gospel and our faith rest um, in a plan that was established in eternity. It's always been the purpose, and and it doesn't just dangle out here somewhere, but it's rooted in the very beginning. In fact, it's hard many times to make sense of the rest of the Bible if we don't understand the first two chapters of Scripture. And so we're going to go back today, and we're going to read in just a second Genesis, uh, a few Scriptures from Genesis 1, and then we're going to jump way over to the Gospel of John. And if you go and you read Genesis 1 and 2 and then you read John chapter 1, you're going to see a lot of similarities as the Apostle John is looking at Jesus and the original creation. Um, Now Jesus comes to recreate us. And so let's look at this. Genesis chapter 1. Just want to read um, a couple of verses or really uh, one verse out of Genesis chapter 1, the very first one. Verse 2, sorry. It says in Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. All right, let's jump over now, go way over to John, the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And let's look at the very first verse. Beginning there, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And so he's speaking of the Word, but the Word is a He. The Word is Christ. It says, Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. So let's pray and, and, and we'll jump into this. Lord, we thank you for your word and for your truth, God. We thank you that it has the power and the ability to do exactly what Jesus told us it has to do, Lord. That your word has the power to set us free. If we know your word, we trust your word, we apply your word in our lives. It has the ability to set us free. God, to live for you, not free to do as we wish, but free to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. 
God, and we thank you for that. Right now, just as we sing, Lord, we proclaim the name of Jesus over this place. We thank you, God, that you are here. And, and in Jesus' name, Lord, we, we pray that, um, that the enemy would have no part of this place, that the enemy would have no part with us. And that God, right now, through the power of your spirit, you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what it is that you are saying to us today, that it would be a seed planted in good soil and that from it would come fruit, that from it would come fruit, God, a hundred times that which is sown, Lord. We thank you for it and praise you for it, God, that your word would be effective and um, that, God, we know it does not return void. And so, God, do what you desire to do in us. Give us ears to hear you, to hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we read these scriptures, um, I want to go ahead and kind of give you a heads up on where we're going today. Um, I was actually praying early this week. It was on Monday. I was coming up by um, the road up here where you come by Chili's and all that stuff and, and coming this way, um, not the road that you go to Chili's on, but the one that comes from the red light up to the stop sign. You turn right, go across the big bump um, that will knock your axles off if you go very fast. But I was turning right right there and I was praying and I was just asking God, God, what do you want uh, this, this last message to be about? What is it exactly? You know, and the kind of knew the general, you know, thought of it was the mission of Jesus. But what is it specifically that you want this to be about? And as I was praying, one word jumped into my heart and that was the word forgiveness, forgiveness. And, and honestly, for me, that wasn't one that I just went, yes, I love talking about forgiveness. And, and one of the reasons that I didn't get extremely excited is because for me, forgiveness is not something that's easy. Anybody else have that issue? <laughs> like, I don't like to forgive. I'd rather hold a grudge. I'd rather you just be dead to me, honestly, at times. Like, you hurt me, you hurt my family, you lose a face, and I don't like you anymore, and we're just going to keep it that way. But I realize that's not what God's called us to, but that's one of the reasons that it's tough for me, is, or not maybe the, the thing that I was hoping God would say, um, is it can be challenging for me. The second thing um, is I'm like, well, how does that tie directly into the mission of Jesus? Because it was just not what was already on my radar. But the more I began to pray about it and the more I began to study it, I began to realize more and more and more that God's mission, this mission we've talked about and you've seen many times, this purpose of filling the earth with people who have been reconciled and renewed um, to, with God and, and to God through Jesus, that this mission cannot happen apart from forgiveness. And it's multifaceted. It's multifaceted, and we're going to look at this. I want this little first part real quickly to be a little interactive. You can talk back to me. Uh, I want to hear what you, what you have to say. But as we read um, the very first two verses of Genesis that talk about creation, it says, in the beginning, um, God 
created the heavens and the earth. And it says it was dark and void and formless and empty and chaotic. And it says the spirit hovers over the face of the earth. And then we go to John chapter one and we see that in the beginning was the word. The word was made flesh. The word came, it it dwelt among us. It tells us that um, he was with God in the beginning. It tells us that nothing was created um, that was not created through him, right? And, and so we see the word there representing Jesus. So here's my first question. When we look at scripture and I want to look at the why, why is forgiveness so important? Why is it necessary? When we look at the first relationship in scripture that we see, what is the first relationship we see in scripture? Anybody? Not a trick question. I couldn't hear. Not quite yet. Not quite yet. The first relationship that we see in Scripture. Within the Godhead. Thank you. Yes, the Trinity. This whole concept that sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our mind around, but if we can wrap our mind around everything about God, then he wouldn't be God, right? This whole concept of God and the three in one. The Trinity, the Godhead, that that God exists as the Father, as the Son, and the Spirit. Three individual um, people, yet one God. How does that happen? Challenging. But here's the reality of it. We see it clearly even in the beginning that God created, the Father created. But when it was chaotic and it was void and empty, the Spirit was hovering We see in John 1 that nothing was created apart from Christ. Colossians 1 tells us the same thing, that in him and through him and for him, all things were created. And so we see even in the beginning, this is why it's so important, guys, to not just throw out the first two chapters of Genesis because people in school or in the world tell us that we came out of a mud puddle. Because from the very beginning, we begin to see the truth about God. That the very first relationship we have in, in, that we see is, exists within God himself. This is why, y'all, relationship is so important to God. Because he exists in relationship. It's why community is so important to God. It's why the global purpose of God cannot happen apart from right, just loving relationships amongst people because we cannot display the character and nature of God fully apart from other people that we are in relationship with. Make sense? So we need to see and understand this, that the first relationship we see is in God himself. Let's look at the second relationship. Let's just read Uh, 126, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. What's the second relationship we see? God and Adam, right? God and man. That God creates this relationship between himself and and us. 
He, 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 he very clearly makes us in his image, in his likeness, to be in this relationship with him, relating with him eventually, um, relating to others. And with that in mind, won't get quite there yet, but listen to this. If the beginning of a relationship is in God himself, the second relationship then we see is with us and God. The third relationship then is contained within these same scriptures, but it's a little bit more hidden. It's a little bit more hidden. And this has to do with the fact that we were created in his image, in his likeness. But in this, we were created perfectly connected with the image bearer. And what we need to see, and we don't need to overlook this, is that in this relationship between us and God, perfectly connected with our image bearer, we are able to relate properly to ourselves. Why? Because we can see the image bearer. We know who we are. We know what we're here for. Why we exist, who we exist to be like. We are perfectly connected. When sin comes in, that is broken. All of these relationships are broken. But that helps us understand why is the world searching so hard for identity to define ourselves through achievement and all these other things. The reason is we that relationship's been broken between us and our image bearer. When sin comes in and the relationship's broken, we've got to find something or someone to become our identity. And so people strive and strain and work and try to find something that they can put their identity in. Typically, the thing that we put our identity in, listen, the thing we put our identity in is the thing through which we can find acceptance. Because we all long for relationship. We all long for acceptance. And so if I can find a way to put my, uh, to find acceptance through athletics or through uh, academics or, or, or through um, you know, some type of other relationship, if I can find some way that I feel okay, that I feel accepted, that'll quickly become my identity. The source of my identity. So we see here that the third relationship is, is really how we relate to ourselves. It's, it's, it's not like um, we have this relationship necessarily like with two different people. We're one person, but we do definitely relate to ourselves in a certain way and how we see ourselves. The fourth relationship, if you look over in Genesis chapter 2, I'm not going to read it, but we know the fourth relationship then becomes the relationship between God or between Adam and between Eve. A perfect relationship, a perfect union. They were formed out of one flesh. They are one flesh. They are in this perfect union. And in this fourth relationship, we're able to see how we were intended to relate with each other. The problem comes, and we've talked about this a little in the past, with sin. When sin happens, these relationships are broken, beginning with the relationship with God being broken. When that one's broken, everything else disintegrates. We no longer know who we are. We no longer are connected to our image bearer. We begin to... Um, 
not be able to relate to others. And then uh, we begin to search for identity. We completely lose our purpose that he spells out for us in Genesis 1, that we're to fill the earth, rule over in a way that brings him glory. And so sin destroyed and distorted all of these relationships. And I would tell you this, and um, I, I really do believe this, that Satan's number one goal, Satan's number one goal, if you want to know what the devil's schemes are, that Satan's number one goal is to destroy relationship. If he can destroy relationship, then God cannot be glorified in the earth the way God deserves to be glorified. He cannot be worshipped in the earth the way God deserves to be worshipped. If he can destroy relationship, beginning with our relationship between God and ourselves. So then, if that relationship is destroyed, the mission cannot happen. The mission cannot happen apart from relationship with God, relating rightly with ourselves, even loving ourselves in a healthy way, not in a selfish way, but receiving the love of God in a healthy way. It cannot happen without loving others. And here's the thing too, guys. We can't see and relate to God ourselves Others, apart from understanding forgiveness. Listen, we can't relate to God. We can't have relationship with God until we really see clearly that God is a forgiving God, right? So forgiveness is central in me being able to come to God. If I don't see that God is a forgiving God and that God has made a way for me to be forgiving and that I am truly forgiven, not just that the preacher tells me that on Sunday, but that in my mind, this stronghold that I'm not able to be forgiven, that I'm unforgiven, that every time I trip and stumble, God no longer forgives, no God no longer loves until that is pulled down. I cannot properly relate to God. I have to understand that God is a God of forgiveness, that he has made a way for me to come to him. He has come to me to establish this relationship through Christ. I can't even relate to myself well without forgiveness. Many of us, uh, some of us struggle in forgiving others. Many of us, the greatest struggle we have is in forgiving ourselves. Something that we did or, or something that even was done to us, but we've taken a, uh, that responsibility on ourselves, and we see that what was done is my fault. And so now I am not able to forgive myself. God may forgive me, but I never will. And we live in this identity that was created by what we did or what's happened. We can't relate to others without forgiveness. Listen, we'll never be a community that's different than the world if we don't forgive. We never will. We'll look just like the world. We'll never glorify God in all the earth as the church, this, this bride who is imperfect, but able to overcome the imperfections with love and forgiveness. We'll never become that body Apart from the forgiveness of God working in us and through us, offering it to each other. And this helps us understand the heaviness, listen, the heaviness. 
the heaviness of some of Jesus' statements. If you've, have you ever read many of the statements that Jesus makes about forgiveness? When you read them, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, I want to read a couple of those, two or three of those now. If you go to Matthew chapter 5, so we're seeing this, that relationship is central to the message. Relationship cannot happen with God. We can't relate to ourselves well. We can't relate to others. We can't fulfill his purpose apart for forgiveness. All right, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 24, it says this, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. He's saying, look, if you're there and you're worshiping and you're giving your gift and you remember, man, I've offended someone. He says, get up and go make that right. He's saying, do your part to reconcile this relationship. Do your part to seek forgiveness, is what he's saying. He's saying this is very, very, very important. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15. He goes through, he's teaching them how to pray. He goes through the Lord's Prayer. And then he says in verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That seems really, really harsh in a way. But we see why this is so important to God, that relationship is extremely important to God, that the enemy will come and attack relationship uh, in so many different ways, but that that's his focus because it is essential to the plan of God. And so we see this, that God, and Jesus isn't saying this to put us in condemnation. Um, he's saying this so that we can be healed from the unforgiveness. One of the challenges in talking about forgiveness is this, the hurt that has been done and that we have experienced is real. It's not like we can just flippantly go, you know, just get over it. The hurt is real. We can't just say, just get over it. God's heart is not to just say, just get over it. His heart is to say, get healed from it. Get healed from it. Go to Matthew now, chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, beginning verse 21. This really gives us the grounds or foundation for how forgiveness can take place in our life. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister when he sin when, or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Jesus basically saying, look, the number's not as important as the heart behind it. You just forgive. 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. He began the settlement. A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. For some of us today, we need to understand forgiveness. It's not saying what you did is okay. The debt you created against me is okay. It's just taking our hands off of their throat. It's stopping it spending all of my energy and effort and worry and time, even if it's buried deep inside with my hands on their throat. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back, but he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how the heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And and here we look at it again and we're like, seems harsh. Seems harsh, but Jesus is laying a foundation for forgiveness in this parable. He's wanting us to see how this works. And I want to spend this last couple of minutes I have giving you some things that I believe are important in, in how we see forgiveness happen in our lives because it is extremely important to God. It's important to God that we have a relationship with him, that we relate to ourselves well in the fullness of Christ, that we relate to others well in the body of Christ, that we um, are able to fulfill his mission as his people, but only happens through forgiveness. The first thing I want to tell you in how we do this, and you need to put these in your phone, write them down. You go back and spend some time on these. Um, That's why we talked about the DIY thing so much for us. We need to be processing some of this. This is more than you're going to be able to remember tomorrow morning, Um, more you're going to remember when you get to lunch. So we need to be taking some of this down and going and spending some time with it. The very first one is this. How do I do this? Understand the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. This is one of the things we need to do. We need to understand forgiveness requires one person. I can forgive But reconciliation requires two. There has to be an effort on both sides. Also understand that forgiveness in this doesn't mean that you return to a violent or habitual situation in which you're getting hurt. It doesn't mean that you just put yourself back into a place of abuse. It doesn't mean that you just blindly begin to establish relationship again with this person. Forgiveness again, it is um, releasing our, our hands from the other person's throat. It's letting go. It's, it's literally what, Jesus, what this man, the opposite of what this servant did in trying to choke the life out of him is saying, I'm going to let this go. I'm letting this go. I'm giving this over to you, Lord. The second one is this, that we need to be preemptive. We need to be preemptive. 
We need to be able to forgive quickly. We need to make this a practice in our life. This is one that um, I have to work really hard at, is, is be preemptive, forgive quickly. Ephesians 4, 25 and 26 tells us um, that, to be angry but do not sin. He says, do not let the, the sun go down on your anger or give the devil a foothold. And I want you to see this, that if, if we don't deal in forgiveness quickly, what begins to happen, and, and listen, what begins to happen is that foothold, that seed that we plant in our mind, that seed there, it begins to grow and a foothold ultimately then becomes a stronghold. Satan wants to get a seed. He wants to get a foothold. If I, he can get a foothold and it's not dealt with, then eventually that thing can become a stronghold. And so we work to let this go. We work so that this seed doesn't take root and eventually, as the Bible talks about, it doesn't become a root of bitterness that defiles many, those around us. The second or third thing I would tell you is this or ask you really a question. Is God's word the ultimate authority in your life? Forgiveness is gonna be challenging regardless, but to truly forgive and, and to see victory in this, God's word, we need to see it. We have to see it as the ultimate authority in our life because for each of us, there's times, there's been times where the Satan did get a foothold, and in our anger, in the, the offense, it didn't get dealt with quickly, and that foothold became a stronghold. But 2 Corinthians 10, two through five tells us this, that we have weapons that are not carnal. We don't even fight in carnal ways, fleshly ways, worldly ways. We have weapons that are powerful and they're effective in pulling down strongholds. These things, these incorrect ways of thinking that Satan has established in our mind. We don't think according to God's truth, but God's truth has the power to pull those things down. So I begin to think accurately so that I literally come to this place of repentance where I have a change of mind and I see differently. But if God's word is not the ultimate authority, then we will not be able to, to allow it to do what it's able to do in pulling down those strongholds and those incorrect ways of thinking. See, I have to come to God's word in order for it to give me a new worldview. I, I can't define a perfect God by the imperfect world. I have to define the perfect God by his perfect word. Can't define myself. Listen, if I'm in Christ, I've been clothed with Christ. That means his perfection. I cannot define myself by my imperfections. I have to define myself by Jesus's perfection given to me through faith. I can't see myself according to my flaws, according to, to my trip ups, my mistakes, according to uh, comparing myself to other people, all of these things. I have to see myself in Christ. But if God's word is not the ultimate authority, then every opinion around me has the same opportunity to speak my identity to me as God's word. I've got to allow God's word to define others. I've got to be able to see that I can't define other believers by their imperfection. I have to 
Allow God to open my eyes to see them in Christ. I can't define unbelievers by their imperfections. I, I can't define the dead by qualities that only exist in those who are alive. We can't expect pagans to act like Christians. Fourth thing, am I willing to put down the scorecard? Am I willing to put down the scorecard? kind of like our lives are lived like a, a game of, of football or baseball or soccer or whatever where we're constantly trying to put up more points on this side than points on this side. And so when someone comes and it feels like they take away points from our side, right? They take away points. They, they, they take away value. They take away worth. They, they, they make this offense against me. I can't let that go. Because this is, this is huge. This is who I am. This is life. Is if I don't win, then I'm nothing. But I have to put down the scorecard and let it go. We look at Matthew chapter 18. The verse that jumps out at me in this is, it says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Listen, here's what we have to grasp in this. If we're going to put down the scorecard, we have to realize that our account has already been settled. That in Jesus, the account is already settled. Nobody can take that from me. No one can rob me of that. The account is settled. I can forgive because I'm no longer defined by my achievements or what I have or what I've lost, what I've done, what's been taken away. I'm no longer defined by what's been done to me. I can let that go because I know this, that who I am is not based on those things. It's based on Jesus. The fifth thing, this is why I'm telling you, you need to, Take this with you and think about it. The fifth thing, do I want to walk in grace or condemnation? Do I want to walk in grace or condemnation? And this is, listen, all of this is hinging upon God's word being the ultimate authority in my life. Do I want to walk in grace or condemnation? Because listen to this, I can't walk in both at the same time. I can walk in God's grace, his love, his forgiveness, um, the fact that he did for me what I cannot do for myself, the fact he does in me what I cannot do for myself, the fact that he does through me what I cannot do for myself. I can walk in the power of God and his grace, or I can walk in condemnation, but I cannot walk in both. Matthew 18, 23 through 35, he shows us that we can't walk in this grace either without offering it to others. Grace works for us and in us so that it can work through us. Ultimately, establishing healthy, right, loving relationships so that God's purpose can be fulfilled. And understand, guys, God's goal is not to put you in condemnation because you have unforgiveness. It's to set you free from it. Y'all hear that? God's goal is not to put you in condemnation because you have unforgiveness, it's to set you free from it. Sixth one, remember the grace of God. Remember the grace of God. 
ties into number five. It ties into Matthew 18, Jeremiah 31, 34, and then Hebrews 8, 12 quotes this, where, where the prophet told um, the people of Israel that God, one day, God will establish a covenant in which he says, I will remember their sins no more. We talk about forgiving and forgetting, and so many times we'll say, well, we, you can forgive, but you don't have to forget. And listen, if we define forget by the world's definition of forget, then yeah, we probably will never forgive and forget. But when we look at the biblical understanding of remember, and we look at the biblical um, meaning of forget, and we look at this, they don't really equate to what we think about in remembering and what we think about in forgiving. When we look at remember and we look at this verse, he says, I will remember their sins no more. What's he saying? He's not saying I have no recollection. I can't remember. I got amnesia about your sin. He's saying, I'm choosing not to act on your sin. I'm choosing not to act. I'm, it's a choice not to act. I will remember them no more. I will no longer act on your sin. To forget is choosing not to act on an offense. He's saying in remembering, if I remember your sin, I'm gonna act on it. If I forget your sin, I'm choosing not to act. And so he's saying, basically, I will remember their sin no more. I will not act on their sin. But because he is a just God, sin had to be dealt with. So how then are we able to see a just God not remember sin that deserves punishment? The way it happens is that Jesus, what, the sin that Jesus took upon himself, our sin, that's the sin that God remembered. He remembered the sin on Christ. Christ was punished for it so that now God remembers he chooses not to act he doesn't have to act on our sin in us this last one I'm going to tell you I think it's big we choose to respond we choose to live we choose to forgive like Jesus we choose to to forget, not to act on the offense. We choose to forgive, choose to forget. I'm not gonna act on the offense. I'm letting it go. I'm, I'm letting it go. I'm, I'm giving it over to God. And I want you to understand this, that as we think about portraying Jesus to the world, I really believe this, that forgiving others, receiving God's forgiveness, forgiving ourselves, forgiving others, Walking in forgiveness with believers, with unbelievers, it's the most Christ-like thing we can do. The most Christ-like thing we can do. If we wanna show the world the love of God, if we're gonna be known as followers of Jesus because of his love for us, then forgiveness is essential. It's the most Christ-like thing I believe we can do is to forgive. I want to close it with this. Do not, do not, do not discount the power of God to change our hearts and renew our minds. This encompasses all of these things, every one of these things, a lot of things. It encompasses them all. God's power working in and through all of these things. And this is what I believe with all my heart. If we're willing to take it one step at a time, 
God will meet us there. He'll lead us in the next step. If we're just willing to walk with him, forgiveness is possible. Freedom is possible. Honoring God in forgiveness is possible. Coming to God and understanding his forgiveness is possible. Um, Forgiving myself and seeing myself with clarity in Christ is possible. Forgiving those who've offended is possible. Through the power and grace of God. So I want to pray for us. And listen, if you're here today and uh, you, you know this is something you need to deal with, God's put this on your heart today. You just look at you, you, you realize I need to forgive. Maybe for some of you, it's coming to the forgiveness of God. There's something, there's a stronghold in your mind that's always held you back from feeling like you could be fully embraced by God. Something that's held you back. And, and, and today, I pray that the Lord would open your eyes to see the forgiveness of God, that you can come to him. Maybe for some, it's not forgiving yourself. There's something that's been, that you've done, Lord, that, that, or that has just haunted you. Today you need to come and you need to let God deal with that. You need to give that to him. Be set free from that. We sang a song. We welcome the healer in this place. I believe God is here today to heal and to mend hearts. Maybe for you it's forgiving others, people that have hurt you. Taking your hands off of their throat so that you can walk in freedom. You've been dragging them around with you forever walk in freedom. Maybe you had a fight last night with your spouse or whatever that might be and you need to forgive quickly to not give Satan a foothold. And I'm going to pray. When I pray, I'm inviting you to come and and let others pray with you, for you. Let's let God work in this time. Let God work in this place right now. Lord, we thank you for your word and your truth, for your love, God, that you are a forgiving God, that we see in you a perfect picture of relationship, God. We see that sin has broken that relationship, God, uh, with you, but you've reestablished it through Jesus. God, your grace, you've forgiven us so much, just like this first servant in Matthew 18, God. The debt was huge. It was astronomical just like ours is against you, and yet you've forgiven it through Christ, Lord. We thank you for that. Help us to forgive this debt that is so minuscule, God. Even though it hurts, God, it hurts and it offends, Lord, in comparison to the debt you've forgiven your children of, Lord. Help us to see it in light of that and work in us through the power of your spirit, God, to forgive others. We um, We just need you. We need you, God. Help us to be dependent on you, to not shrink away from the challenge, but to embrace it so that we can truly grow in the fullness of Christ, so that we can truly grow, Lord, into the body you want us to be, so that we can truly fulfill the mission of Jesus in this world as we display his mercy, his his grace, his love, the righteousness, the justice that happens in forgiving relationships, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you'd like to be prayed for, you come and, and people will be here to pray.